So we started this series a couple of weeks ago called Foolproof. We're looking at the wisdom of Solomon in the book of Proverbs. And so we're going to kind of be in a couple of the Proverbs today if you want to try to find that. Or you can just read along with me on the screen. But we're talking about how to use our time wisely today. And I like the book of Proverbs. It's 3,000 years old. And yet that wisdom that's ancient is also applicable for today. Because I don't know about you, but there are days when I get to the end of the day and I say to myself, where in the world did my time go? i like, what did I do with my time? And I remember pre-COVID, I was running around taking Elise to here or there or whatever because she has sports and that sort of thing. And after that, all that shut down and it's like uh, nature abhors a vacuum. And so just more stuff came in and I, I did some... I saw an article the other day about how we're spending our time during lockdown. A lot of people are shopping online, which makes sense because you're not, you know, kind of maybe don't want to go to places and that sort of thing. But we're wasting a lot of time. So uh, there's a website called Odyssey, and they did some research about how Americans spend their time. Let me give you a couple of statistics, and I'll try to go slow. The tough thing about listening to a lot of numbers is they just kind of all run together. So I won't give you too many, but let me give you a couple. In America, the average individual spends 153 minutes a day using some form of social media. The average American spends 153 minutes a day on social media. That's, uh, for those of you uh, from Kentucky, over two and a half hours. That's a long, a lot of time on social media. Um, We spend about 90% of our time indoors, and during the summer in South Carolina, that's not enough. And so uh, 90% of our time indoors... Um, On average, we spend in a lifetime three months in traffic. Interesting. Um, We spend 25 years average in a lifetime, 25 years sleeping. Uh, Women spend 1.5 years in their lifetime doing their hair. 1.5 years doing their hair. And we can tell it looks great, ladies. You look marvelous, and so well done. Good for you. Uh, Time well spent. Um, this may not be as good time well spent. In a lifetime, a woman will spend 287 days deciding what to wear. It's almost a year, uh, just so you know. Um, my advice on that is the first thing you come to. That, that really should be pretty good. Uh, we work about 10.3 years of our life and watch television about nine, almost the same uh, years of our life. In a lifetime, you spend 3.6 years eating which well done, good job. And the final one, women spend in a lifetime about eight years shopping, which is really amazing. Now, when you think about that, not all those uses of time are wise. And so we, we've even developed processes, abilities, to do two things at once. Uh, I, I've seen People eating and driving. I've done this myself, eating and driving. Um, Usually I only have one thing in my hand at a time, but uh, this guy's ambitious. Uh, I've seen this at times, putting on our makeup and driving at the same time. Not not safe, by the way. I've seen this uh, a few times, guys shaving uh, and driving at the same time. I hate this one, uh, people texting and driving. I see that all the time. Uh, By the way, nine Americans a day are killed texting and driving. Nine a day. So that really, really is unsafe. And sometimes if you're really ambitious, you do more than one thing at a time uh, while you're in the car. Now, it's interesting to me that um, it's almost like we can't get away from, we're either really, really busy or we don't know how to unplug from entertainment. I don't know if what 
what the attraction to the phone is. When I'm driving, I really don't have an attraction to the phone other than using it as a, uh, a map. I mean, I do look at my phone when it's on a stand. Or if it's a, a map for me, I use, you know, the Waze app. It's almost like we are constantly entertained and we don't know how to not be constantly entertained. And so, remember, wisdom, we've d- determined, is seeing and responding to life from God's perspective. What would God have us do with our time? That really is the question today. And so, uh, because Proverbs is so relevant for today, I'm going to bring up three things that God says. Hey, this is what you should do with your time. Number one, you've got to prioritize it. Look at this verse. An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. Now, I understand the second part of this verse because I live that a lot. This morning, I've got a button-down collar shirt. I walked downstairs and Miriam said, don't forget to button your collars. I said, these collars don't button down because I didn't want her to be right. Uh, But then I went upstairs and started, I buttoned one side and then remembered I needed to brush my teeth and didn't button the other side. I mean, it's like, so I do this. Fools start out in many directions and it's like, I think it's part of being, uh, you know, uh, having some complex or something, but if I see something, all of a sudden I have to go do that. And that's why prioritizing is incredibly important. you got to know where you're going, where you're going to go, where you're, you know, this is how I get there. I've got to... Do you remember in the circus, those guys that used to spin those plates on the sticks? Life is like that, it seems. And we're all trying to spin a bunch of plates, and we have to figure out which are the plates that we really want to spend. Um, Proverbs, this is a great verse. It is stupid to waste time on useless projects. (laughs) When I was in seminary, so I'm training, I I have, you know, my bachelor's degree and now I'm seeking my master's degree and it's in um, theology and so I'm supposed to be studying the Bible and writing papers on God and stuff, you know, and studying the Greek language and the Hebrew language and all that. I'm in seminary to learn to become a pastor or some kind of minister. And it was just about that time where video games started becoming kind of big. And there was one called Load Runner. Does anybody remember Load Runner? <laughs> no. Because uh, it's really, really old. And it's really unsophisticated. And it's just super plain. And only a moron would play it. And I played it all the time. Because it was one of those deals where you, you would play this. It was basically, you're, you're the character trying to get through a maze. That's what it was. And there were, I think, 50 levels of this. And it worked like this. You'd you'd start out here, and you'd get so far along the maze, and then if you died, you didn't get to start here. You had to go back and do the same things over again. So let's say you had to get way over there, and so you'd start, and you'd get this far and die, and you'd have to start over again. You'd start, and you'd get this far, and now you're in new territory, and you get a little further, and you die, and you have to start over again. I played that for hours. It would be like this, and I know nobody else in this room had that problem or has this problem, but I would say to myself, I'll only try to get one more level, just one more. When I get one more level, then I can quit. <laughs> then I'll do something constructive. And so I would work on this, and, and there's the challenge, and you know, there's the adrenaline of, oh, I finally made it, and now I'm back, and it's like a new level, and I could just do one more level, and I would do another level, and then it would be like, I'm going to quit after this level. 
That is the second part of this, or that's this verse. It is stupid to waste time on useless projects. One day, I sat there. I didn't get up from the computer. I believe it was four hours straight just playing Load Runner, which is incredibly stupid. It was a really waste of time. And this didn't help me, and it didn't honor God. And I remember Miriam coming in, and I was thinking to myself, I have wasted this entire day, and now she's going to have to do all the work around the house, which is okay. Uh, it's really, really, really dumb of me. And so I, I swore off. I've really never played another game after that because for me it was like, okay, I can't, I can't waste. I find other ways to waste time. I'm not saying that. But I don't do that anymore because that was just so dumb. Now look at this verse. We should make plans counting on God to direct us. The Lord has a plan for your life. This is really important to understand. We really need to tap into that and figure out what He wants us to do, where He wants us to go, what's the next thing to do. People have wills. I have a will. My will basically stipulates this is where my stuff goes when I die. I plan for when I die. But do you plan for when you live? What am I going to do with the time I've got between now and when I die? Only 2% of Americans, 2% of Americans ever write out a, a life plan, like a game plan for their lives. Every year going into the next year, about November, I'll, I'll write out, hey, these are my goals for the next year. That didn't work out too great for 2020, by the way. You know, I had this list of stuff and... Then March happened, and uh, so uh, uh, then the whole world exploded, and nothing really has fallen, uh, happened the way I wanted it to. But it's, if you don't prioritize, you succumb to pressure. You live by priorities or pressure. It's one of the two. If I don't prioritize my time, for me, I have a list. I have lists. I wrote a list. Somebody told me something I needed to do just a little while ago, and I wrote it down on a list because if I don't write it down, I forget it. And, and Jesus modeled this. Here, let me show you this story. I wish I had done this differently, but, but watch this. Jesus had been ministering to people. He'd been healing people. Look at this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Really good practice, by the way. You know, get up early and pray. You, you can make time for, for the Lord. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Time out. Look at me just for a second. Everyone's looking for you, Jesus. Now, if you live by priorities, then you're going to say, Okay, well, that's okay, but I've got something else to do. If you live by pressure, then when this kind of thing comes up, Hey, everybody's looking for you. The way I live, it would have been, Okay, well, let me go see what they want. Look how Jesus responds. Everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. <laughs> but, 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 but everybody's looking for you. And I think Jesus would say, yeah, but I've got an agenda. Everyone else is looking for you. Let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And he had a priority in his life. He knew kind of where he was going to go and what he was going to do. And this is incredibly important in our lives. Let me go back to one verse. Ooh, that's two. That's two. We should make plans counting on God to direct us. Having a life plan is doable. But you have to ask God's wisdom. You go into this thing, you take some time. Maybe you say, Lord, 
I'm going to block off a couple of hours on Friday or Saturday morning before everybody gets up. I'm going to, I'm going to you know, write down some life goals and I'm going to pray between now and then. And every day I'm going to get in the Word and I'm going to look and see what, you, what I think you might want me to do. And I'm going to try to plan my life. Now, don't, it's not set in stone, but at least you have some priorities. I, I love those people who are going to college and they... They prioritized their time to get their studies done. I loved my girls for that. They were so disciplined. My kids all played sports, all three of the, the older girls and now Elise. And they used to travel on the bus to go from one place to the other to play whatever they were playing. And they would do their homework on the bus because they knew if they didn't get it done on the bus, they wouldn't have time. They prioritized their lives. And I would go to these ball games and I would see them in the stands and they would have their books open and they were doing their homework while they were waiting to play because they prioritized their time. You have to have priorities in your life. So the first thing that wisdom says is, you, look, time is, you, you don't get more of it. Everybody gets the same amount, 168 hours a week. That's all you get. It's an unrenewable resource. So you have to use it wisely. The second one, I love this section by the way, is lighten up. Anxiety is a, in a person's heart weighs it down. If you look for the good in life, you can find it. Jim Irwin was a, a Christian and he was on the, uh, the, the team that went to the moon and they asked him, they said, uh, what, do you, what does it take to be an astronaut? And he kind of quipped that uh, it takes an intense desire to get away from it all. And, and he was finding, you know, you got to find the joy in life. Here's what laughter does for us. It's like a shock absorber. It doesn't change your circumstance. It just changes the way you look at your circumstances. And my, one of my favorite verses in Scripture is, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I think, again, 3,000 years ago, Solomon said, a cheerful heart is good medicine. I heard about a guy, he... Uh, he had an appointment. He had to do a presentation, a business presentation. He could not find a parking place. He drove and drove around, drove around. Couldn't find, like down, down uh, at the river. And uh, he couldn't find a place to park. And so eventually, he just double parked. He left a note under his, his uh, windshield wiper for the police officer that was going to come try to give him a ticket. And, and he wrote on the note, uh, I promise this is an emergency. I had to make a presentation. I'll be right back. Uh, it won't even take me 15 minutes. I promise. He left that under his windshield wiper blade. Uh, he goes and makes his presentation. He rushes through it. He does a horrible job. He rushes back down. It took him about 15 minutes. When he gets there, there's a ticket, and the police officer on the bottom had written, take your time. Uh, so, you know, really um, didn't pan out for him. Um, look at what it says. A relaxed attitude lengthens a person's life. I watch a lot of reality TV. There's not a lot of other things I like to watch. And so reality TV, <laughs> let me sum up. Every reality TV show I've ever watched. Uh, you're living life and then something throws a monkey wrench in what you're doing and you have to decide how you're going to handle it. And you know what? Because <laughs> it's life. In life, I live life and sometimes there are emergencies. Somebody gets sick. Uh, I lose a job. Um, I'm in a car accident. I have a car break. I mean... There are struggles that happen in your life. You're going through life, it's all good, and then, then you get sidetracked a little bit. One way or the other, something happens. And what you notice is it's sort of like on these reality TV shows, it's, like, like a, 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 it's a study in human psychology. Some people can roll with the punches and some people can't. 
And some people can get through it and, and just say, okay, let's deal with it. And some people, it, it breaks them. And when it says a relaxed attitude, that's your choice. You ever think about this? The first recorded, recorded words of Jesus are when he was 12 years old. Jesus had stayed at the temple. His parents had come there to worship. And then they had headed home and they had forgotten Jesus. And that was easy to do back then. People traveled in big groups and they just... Mary and Joseph assumed Jesus was with relatives. And when they discovered he wasn't with them, they went back and they found him in the temple and he was teaching. Uh, it says he was teaching and speaking to the elders and they were amazed at his understanding. And they, Mary said, why, did you, you know, why have you done this to us? And Jesus said, if you'll remember, something to the effect of, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Even at age 12, he knew what he was supposed to do. Didn't you know where I would be? This is what, this is what I'm called to do. At age 12, he had an idea of what his life was supposed to look like. The last recorded words of Jesus were from the cross, and the last thing he ever said was, it is finished. First thing he said was, I have to be about my father's business. The last thing he ever said was, it was finished. It's finished. He knew what he was supposed to do. Does that mean he healed everybody? He didn't heal everybody. In fact, uh, Jesus one time said, uh, the poor you will always have with you. He didn't... Uh, restore uh, finances to everybody. He did exactly what he was called to do. We don't have to do everything. Andy Stanley one time said something that really revolutionized the way I think about helping people. He said, help somebody the way you wish you could help everybody. Because what we have this tendency to do is say, well, I can't help everybody, so I'm not going to help anybody. Well, that's the wrong way to look at it. Jesus didn't help everybody, but he helped somebody. And so we serve somebody the way we wish we could serve everybody. We give to somebody, we help somebody the way we wish we could give to everybody. Jesus didn't help everybody, but he helped some people. And he said, the poor you'll always have with you, which gives us something to do. Listen, again, back to our verse. Um, Jesus was never in a hurry, and it's really important, but back to our verse, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Listen to this. Medical research has confirmed this. 3,000-year-old wisdom confirmed by modern scientific research. Laughter, it has been proven, reduces pain and allows us to tolerate discomfort. So if the nurse is coming in to give you a shot, make her tell you a joke first. Uh, it reduces pain and uh, helps us tolerate discomfort. Laughter reduces blood sugar levels. Laughter improves your job performance, interestingly enough. Um, especially in jobs that require creativity. Laughter is the glue of good marriages. Listen to this. Laughter establishes or restores a positive emotional climate and is a sense of connection between two people. Some researchers believe the major function of laughter is to bring people together. There's new evidence that laughter helps your blood flow. Blood vessels function better. There's something called uh, endothelium. Um, blood vessels, let's see, uh, I'll read it. It acts on the inner lining of blood vessels called the endothelium, causing vessels to relax and expand, increasing blood flow. It's good for your heart. It's good, it's good for your physical heart. It's good for your mind. This is the, this is the kicker. Dr. Michael Miller of University of Maryland reports that a study recently found that laughter did as much good for people's arteries as aerobic activity. So now, if you have to choose between jogging or dumb and dumber, it's an easy choice. Just go out and laugh. 
Just get, get some laugh going. Good for you. Now, there's balance. Of course, not everything is funny. I get that. Uh, there's a, the old story that an optimist invented the airplane and a pessimist invented the parachute. And you kind of need both, right? You kind of want both. And in life, you have to strike a balance. There's the positive and the negative, and you have to be optimistic but also realistic. These are really important things. You've heard of Plato, right? He invented that children's uh, toy. And also, uh, he was a great philosopher. And he said, life should be lived as play. That's why they called him Plato. Uh, uh, Life should be lived as play. And then the last part of this, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Some people will say, uh, we'll look back at this someday and laugh. We'll laugh now. Find the joy in the moment. Did you know when people have fun at their jobs, they're more productive? Laughter builds camaraderie. You can find, you can find the joy if you look for it. There, there's good and even bad stuff. Let me give you an example. The other day I was cleaning out my gutter. Uh, on the front of the house, it's about 24 feet up. I have a 24-foot ladder, and then you have a little thing that you put on it called a stabilizer that kind of pushes you away from the wall so you can get to the gutters. Uh, I have gutter guards that don't work. And so um, I had to unscrew those and then push those up and then clean the gutter out. And it was really clogged. And I was doing this late at night, (laughs) well, late in the evening, because it's not as hot, right? So I was trying to do it in the cool of the night. But it was harder for us to move the ladder, and so it took a little longer than we thought. And it was kind of past dusk when we got to the end. I was so thankful to be at the end. And I pushed the thing up, and I cleaned the gutter out, and I put it in the bucket that was right there on, on the ladder with me. And then I went to pull the, the gutter guard back. I was going to put it in place because now maybe it'll work now that the gutter's clean. I pulled it back, and all of a sudden, I, I felt a prick on my thumb. I was like, wow, that, really, that was really painful. I don't know what I did. What, what, what would be up here that would hurt like that? Uh, yeah, it was Yellow Jackets. That's what it was. Um, Thanks, Paula. I could have known that last week. Uh, that would have been really helpful. <clears throat> so I had stuck my hand in a wasp nest. Um, now, I only got stung once. That's good. Miriam said, hey, you know, it's nice that it was late because they're not as active at night. And if they had really, if you really stirred them up, they would have attacked you. It's like, that's true. I mean, you can find, you can find the good. I got down the ladder re- really quickly. I, I proved to myself I'm still relatively nimble. I got down. I got the wasp spray, and I killed those suckers. Uh, it was, vengeance is mine, saith me, and uh, it was awesome. And there, there's, there's joy in stuff. You, you have to look for it. If the Bible is true, if a cheerful heart is good medicine, then it would make sense for us to be cheerful, to try to find the good, to see if it might be there for us. The third thing is this, really important as well. Tithe your time. Um, look at what it says. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. Wow. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. Stress is sort of this, it's like a warning light. When I get all stressed out, then I'm, 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 I'm too, I'm, I've got my eyes off of God and on myself, and I really need to make an adjustment. And you might say, well, I don't have time to spend reading my Bible. I don't have time. Well, you, here's what I know about life. I make time for the things that are important to me. I make time every day to eat. I hardly ever miss a meal. In fact, 
I make, a, I make a point to not miss eating. I really, really like to eat. I even make time to eat in between eating. Uh, that's a, I really like it that much. I love it. Now, some things are easy to eat. I like hamburgers, BLT, the greatest sandwich ever invented. I, I like, I mean, there's stuff I like. I, you don't have to talk me into eating certain things. Uh, uh, Captain Crunch. I mean, there's stuff I really, really like. Now, there's other stuff I don't like as much. Broccoli, Brussels sprouts, pretty much anything green. Uh, everything green, not for me. However, I eat my Brussels sprouts, mostly because Miriam puts bacon around it. Ooh, uh, but I eat it, I eat my broccoli, I eat my salad because it's good for me. Sometimes I eat because I enjoy it. Sometimes I eat because it's good for me. Kind of strike a balance. I eat because I like it. I eat because it's good for me. When I read my Bible, I've determined this is really good for me. Sometimes I, I just really enjoy it. There are days when I get into the, the Word and I just it's just really good. And it's like every verse, every sentence is something I need. And I'm writing myself notes like, oh my Word, this is amazing for me. I really need this. And some days I do it because it's good for me. It's a discipline. I don't love it as much. I mean, I'm a preacher, let me be honest with you. I, there are days I love it, and there are days that I do it because it's good for me. Just the way I eat. Sometimes I eat because I love it. Sometimes I eat because it's good for me. There, there's this super cool verse. I kind of had never noticed this verse before, but I really like it. Blessed are those, blessed are those who listen to me, God says, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorway. Blessed are those. It's a promise. But it's a promise for those who listen daily. There are people in this room who aren't happy. This verse is promising blessing. It could also be happy are. You can, I'll show you the translation in a minute. Happy are those who listen. If, if you're not happy with your life now, then maybe you should listen to God more. Uh, let me give you a tip. Less is more. Um, I personally am reading through the Bible. I use the one-year Bible app, daily one year. And so every day I read some of the Old Testament, usually about two chapters, some of the New Testament chapter or less, and then a psalm, part of a psalm, and a couple of Proverbs. It's kind of how I'm doing it. Uh, I like that method. Sometimes I don't read the whole thing. Sometimes I'll just read just the New Testament part of that. Sometimes, like you guys, I've asked you to read um, the Proverbs. And so we're reading the Proverbs together. And we're just reading you know, some of that every day. It's better to read it and go slow and think about it. Because it doesn't say, blessed are those who read. Blessed are those who listen. Here's what I have to do. I'm just giving you what I have to do. When I'm reading, and I've told you this before, but sometimes I forget that not everybody's here every time I talk. Um, if I'm reading the Bible, I have a, a piece of paper here with a pen, and I'll be reading, and then something will come to mind. You know, I need to go button your other button, you know, something like that. you got to do something. And so I'll write that down, because here's what I know about myself. I've just been around me long enough to know this. If I don't get that out of my head, that's all I think about, even though I'm reading something else. I've got to get that out of my mind so I can read it, so I can come back to it later. That's just what I do. See, Listening for us isn't our strongest suit, especially men. How many of us have had our wives say, did you hear me? 
Like, well, I heard you, but I didn't listen. <laughs> you know, uh, I knew you were talking. Uh, you know, I heard your voice, but uh, I don't know what you said. Um, the Bible here is saying, blessed are those who listen. You, you don't just hear, but you listen. And then this part about who watched daily at the gates. The gates, back when this was written, that's where important stuff happened. In a community, there would be a wall, and the wall had a gate, and the gate was the front gate, and all the really important people, the, the elders of the, the town, sat at the front gate, and that's where decisions were made, and that's where people who had like legal arguments would come. That was the place where important stuff happened. Decisions of life were made. And so when it says, blessed are those who listen to me and watching daily at the gates, he's saying this is where you, you gain wisdom. This is where you understand what God wants you to do. That verse a minute ago where it said, um, reverence for God adds hours to each life. Reverence just means that you believe God is worth listening to. The most irreverent thing we do is when we just ignore Him. It, it is, it's like this. If I was an investment banker and I'm trying to make money in the markets, and I get a phone call from a guy named Warren Buffett. You all know who Warren Buffett is. He's, he's like one of the wealthiest guys on the planet. And he got his money investing. So he's, many people consider him the best investor on the planet for a long time. If Warren Buffett called me up, if I'm an investment banker, and he said, hey, I'd like to invest in you. I want you to be my protege. I, I want to be your mentor. I want to disciple you. You'd be a fool not to take him up on it if you were an investment banker. Well, when this says, let me go to the next one. When it says, oh, gosh, blessed are those who listen to me, God is saying, I want to take you on as my protege. All you have to do is listen. I would like to tell you how to live life. I want to show you what to do. I want you to become like me. I love that. I just love it. And then it says, he's, we got to be waiting by my doorway. There's a, a couple of pictures here. You'll recall Jewish, again, this is kind of Jewish life when, when Solomon writes this. The, the Jews put blood on their do, doorpost at Passover, which reminded them that God uh, saved them out of Egypt. That when they were slaves... God saved them out of Egypt. He loves them and, and he protects. So the doorposts, they would do this every year, and after a while, the doorposts would become stained because you did it every year. So when he's talking about, hey, waiting at the doorpost, you're waiting, realizing that God protects you and loves you, and this is really important. But there's also something else about the doorpost. If you come to my house and you knock on my door, you ring my doorbell, when I open the door, family comes in, friends come in, and so I'll open the door and I'll welcome you in and, and you get to be a part of the family when you come in to the door, in, into the house. And, and this is an invitation. The creator of the universe who knows how things work best has invited all of us, each of us, to be a part of his family behind the door. Now the word daily is also important and the word wait is important because we have a time frame we wish God would work under. I'd like the answers immediately. They don't always come immediately. So the waiting part is sometimes I don't get the answer immediately. That doesn't make us not family. Because here's the truth. We become like the people we hang out with. 
The one I spend the most time with is the one I become the most like. Um, so, let me close with this. We could pray these three things. Lord, today help me line up my priorities to do first things first. Lord, guide my priorities. It's reported that Beethoven never cleaned his house. When his house got dirty, he just moved to a new house. That's prioritizing, man. I'm not going to take time away from my music. I'm just going to move. Um, uh, prioritize your life. The second thing, I think this is a great prayer to pray. Lord, help me today find the joy in life because it's there. Have you ever bought a car and you never saw that car before, but now you see it all the time because now you notice that car, that model? When you look for the joy in life, you will find it because it's there. You just have to look for it. The third thing we pray would be, Lord, help me today to look up to you with reverence. Let me take you more seriously and me less seriously. Let me not fret about today, but let me be mindful that you know what you're doing. Again, that verse could easily be, happy is the one who listens to me. I want to close with a paraphrase of the 23rd Psalm. I just I like it so much. The Lord is my pace setter. I shall not rush. He makes me stop and rest for quiet intervals. He provides me with images of stillness, which restore my serenity. He leads me in the ways of efficiency, through calmness of mind, and this guidance is peace. Even though I have a, a great many things to accomplish this day, I'll not fret, for His presence is here. His timeliness is all important. He'll keep me in balance. He prepares refreshment and renewal in the midst of my activity. He anoints my mind with His oils of tranquility. My cup of joyousness, uh, joyous energy overflows. Surely harmony and effectiveness shall be the fruit of my hours. For I shall walk in the pace of my Lord and dwell in His heaven forever. I shall walk in the pace of my Lord. It's a great, it's a great way to say that. Look, if you're unhappy in your life, and God promises happiness if you follow, if you listen, those who listen to Him, walk with Him daily. If you're unhappy the way you are and God promises happiness, why would you not try that? Because honestly, here's the, the final statement. The wisest use of our time is to spend it with God. Tithe your time. Prioritize your time. Find the joy in life. Give God your time. Because really, it's the best way to live. It's been proven. It's 3,000-year-old wisdom, and it still works today. Father, we thank you that you love us that you care about us, that you want our time to be spent wisely. Help us not to waste our life with this unrenewable resource that you've blessed us with. Help us to follow you closely, prioritizing our time, finding the joy, because it's everywhere. And Lord, mostly, help us to be happy by spending time with you, because we know it's good for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.